Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and this much beer will totally make us unstuck in time. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we are the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading Kurt Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse-Five, and starting with a beer Jimmy brought. It's, uh, it's in German. I can't read from here. Hello, ich bin Berliner Weiss. This is from McKellar. It is a Berliner Weiss with watermelon, apparently. According to the can, they make a bunch of varieties of this with just a different fruit cartoon on the can, and you have to decipher it. So I think that's a watermelon. I, I believe it is, Michael. Ich bin Berliner Weiss. Isn't that the thing that like JFK said, I'm a jelly donut? Ich, ich bin Berliner, yeah. I'm a donut, because he got a hole in his head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. It starts. <laughs> First sip of the day. <laughs> Here we go. And that's a Berliner Weiss, all right. I don't, I don't know what that means. Whoa! That's really sour. Wow. So Berliner Weisses are low alcohol, like 3 or 4% typically. Thank God. With a large proportion of wheat and somewhat soured beers. Tart, crisp tart. kind of thing. Like, they're really... Is this, how is this different from a sour beer? I think it's about strength and how much um, wheat is in it. Because the Weiss part refers to the wheat, not to actually the sourness or anything like that. Like It's white. Are sour beers not wheat? Not necessarily. I mean, it doesn't have to be wheat to be sour. To be a Berliner Weiss, it has to be wheat. Okay. And they sour it by adding some funky yeast strains to it, like lactobilius, which is a yeast that makes funky flavors. That's in a lot Do of the sour milk? Um, I, I don't know. Probably. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. So it's got lacto in it. I don't know. I don't know. Sounds like a terrible superhero. <laughs> lacto. It's lactose intolerance. Yes. Or he milks everyone. He's racist <laughs> against uh, lactose. He's intolerant of it. Not in my neighborhood. <laughs> So what do you guys think of this? It tastes more like juice than beer. Yeah. It's not bad. It's so sour, though. I wouldn't drink a lot of this. I'm okay with this. I'm okay with this tiny cup. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the sour. Some people are really crazy for them. I kind of find them... They're very yes or no. Yeah. Like, you're either into the style or they taste like a mouthful of butt. Yes. Watermelon butt. Speaking of which, I don't don't get any watermelon. I don't get any watermelon at all. But we've had watermelon stuff before. It's like a flavor you don't really get. It's such a mild flavor. It's like if you add any other flavors to it, you lose the watermelon. There's like a slight. I had one. I had one that was pretty watermelony, and it was awful because it tasted like someone. Jolly Ranchers. No, it tasted like someone left a piece of watermelon in a beer overnight and said, "Here, drink this." Was it? It was the Twenty First Amendment. Yeah, Heller High Watermelon. Yeah, Mm. that one. I thought that was okay. Beer actually. I just fruit beer in general is not my steez, and watermelon did not go well. Yeah, watermelon's the one. I've never had a watermelon beer that I loved. I want to. I like watermelon, but they do often taste like Jolly Rancher because it's, which watermelon itself isn't actually really that sweet. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it is very sweet. Just the very, very But it's center. super watery. So mm-hmm. like you don't, like when you concentrate that flavor, like when you eat a piece of watermelon, you, there's a well, lot. Well, I'd of, say it's half water, half melon. Uh, roughly. So if you get a seedless one, otherwise you just spend it. Based on the name. Based, I'm it's going a good based on the number of letters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is, that is actually 50%. All right. All right, cunt. Why did you bring this? <laughs> why did you bring this beer? There's, there was zero watermelons in the book. The name of the beer is in German, and this book is about Germans. Sort of. Austrians, actually. Yeah. What? And Germans. Well, I mean, Dresden's Germany. Oh, yeah, you're, you're right. talking about Austria. Right. Not even involved at all. I was thinking Vienna, sorry. They had been already. Those are, those are, tiny, those are tiny cookie sandwiches. <laughs> Vienna's? Yeah. I thought they were a type of sausage. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking of... Too. Never mind. Let's just So one the of the major things in Slaughterhouse-Five is World War II. Pretty much mm-hmm. the mainest thing. Well, yeah. To and a degree. A particular event that third degree... Uh, 
is we'll, applies to. <laughs> we'll definitely get there. So it's also somewhat autobiographical because Vonnegut served in World War II mm-hmm. and survived. Was present for this event. And the first and last chapter of the book are both from his perspective. Was from it him? It sort of says as an autobiographical perspective. Like, so here's the, how the, I wrote the were, book. Was that actually real? That was what well, really happened? Or was, I thought he was the like... The rest of the book is so strange, I'm not really sure. I mean, I, I, it's about the guy writing the book, but I thought he was he, a character he, he, he made. Does, he does say in the beginning that, oh, the war stuff happened, mostly. All of this happened, more or less, is the opening line. More or less. It's a very cool opening line. Which I totally messed up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he said in an interview years later that Billy Pilgrim, the main character, is based on somebody he did know in the army and who actually died in Dresden. Instead of like the book when he actually survives. Spoiler, sorry. <laughs> Spoiler, at the beginning. Lives. <laughs> yeah, ooh. So, however, this, a lot of this stuff really did happen to him. I don't know, he's, either he, either he survived what happened he survived to him dressed in the same way Billy did. Yeah. Well, he's, you, you get the sense that he's there because he kind of writes himself in very indirectly. Like I'll say, like, I remember this, or I would, you know, that's me. There's a part where he says, that's me, the guy writing, the, guy writing the book. Like he says mm-hmm. that. Like once or twice in the book, like he's kind of present for all the World War II stuff. You, you mm-hmm. sense, yeah. And the other stuff about Billy Pilgrim, you don't really know how he gets that information, except well, in the introduction, he says he wanted to write a book about it, and like one woman, there's like a cocktail party, and the woman got really pissed off at him for wanting to do it. The woman got pissed because she didn't, she didn't want her husband who's visiting to like start getting flashbacks and talking about the war, which he was still fucked up from. I thought, and she also didn't want to glorify yeah, it. Yeah, she didn't want to. She wanted yeah. the book. She didn't she want, want kids to, to read about and say, "Wow, war is awesome." Well, because you guys were kids, you were children, and then that's what the subtitle of the book is: "The Children's Crusade." Mm-hmm. Join us next week. <laughs> there you go. So the end. I would say we'll talk more about the book, but we need to get through more of these beers. I think we should immediately go to another beer. With the exception of our Finback episode so far, this might be the record number of beers. Like eleven or twelve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so many we can't have them all on the table at once. Okay, well let's just fucking pound through them. Since we're talking about the main, the main thing is the firebombing of Dresden. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Because I don't actually know much about it. In this beer, in the that. war, they firebombed Dresden. So in the war, you know, World War Two involved awesome. a lot of bo- <laughs> World War Two involved Depending a lot of into. bombing of just totally bombing cities. The idea is, I mean, the, the idea behind it is, of course, to destroy the other country's, you know, means of production. Total war. Of, of war. Yeah, exactly. It's the concept called total war. Uh, ability it's to totally produce awesome. anything. Totally awesome. Totally cool. Tubular man. war. <laughs> um, Rad war. <laughs> uh, and so, um, it's, you know, the Germans bombed London, you know, night after night for years. That was the NFL blitz. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> And so uh, this was just something the Allies did. Once the Allies sort of, you know, started fighting back and started bombing them back, they were bombing German cities all the time. And Dresden had apparently been very bombed very, very little. Yeah, it had been unscathed. But then over the course of really about three nights, maybe it was five nights, the, the um, Allies just dropped a I thought huge it was one. amount. So in the book, he portrays it as one, but it was actually more than one. Like there was it, some damage the day before. It takes more than a day that, to level but, a city. But um, bombed the cock out of it. But they were using um, it was Dresden, not just. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, good one. <laughs> they killed every German woman and children, child. <laughs> they did like a hundred thousand fucking was, civilians so died. More people, so they were more people using than either of the atomic bombs. Japan, according yeah. to the book, but I was actually looking I think, about, it, I think, I think it's he, not quite that, true. I think it's not really? true. Actually, I think oh. I think I think it's only like seventy thousand people. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's I still know, huge. but it's not one hundred and twenty-five thousand like he says in the book, but. Still a fucking ridiculous amount of you know, people. And so they used um, incendiary devices, which is basically just jellied gasoline. 
So is that napalm, basically? Yeah, which is basically napalm, which oh, the idea is to just make a really big fire because bombs, they certainly involve fire, but it's more about actually physically blowing stuff up in the incendiary devices just to burn things down. You know, so they're a little bit different. They bought, dropped so many on Dresden that they just created one giant fire. That's like how he describes it. Just one giant fire and it just burned everything in the city and everyone because there's nowhere to escape. People are just trapped in the city and the fire just consumed everything. And it was taking inspiration from that happy note that I picked this beer, which is also by McKellar. It is Rausch, Rauch, Pils, Rauch Pils, which means like smoked Pilsner. And it features a guy crawling on the floor with a cloud of smoke above him. It is made with a smoked malt. It smells smoky. It smells like barbecue almost. It tastes smoky too. It is fucking strong. I don't think it's strong alcohol wise. No, I mean like the smoke flavor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It smells like sucking on a piece of charcoal. It's pretty, yeah, you don't really get any other flavor out of this. Like campfire. Now, the Allies also firebombed Tokyo, and that, and, and that did kill more people than, than died in uh, Hiroshima or Nagasaki. And that was months before Hiroshima or Nagasaki. So it wasn't only Dresden that they did this to. It was because there was a lot of wooden buildings in Tokyo still. So, so it just know, burned. Mm-hmm. The houses were made of, you know, wooden paper. Well, they, they were the stupid little pig then. <laughs> 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 what the fuck makes your house out of paper? Yowza. <laughs> What do you think of this? This is an interesting beverage. Very interesting. I've had a few smoked beers in my day. We have one more, at least, coming up later. It is uh, unique. It's almost like like that, that same smoky thing from, like, scotch, like peaty. Well, that's because they burn, like, heavily peated scotches. They um, dry the malt over burnt peat, burning peat. Like, peat is a thing people use as fuel. So it's, it's going to have a smoky flavor. Does that make sense? It, the smoke is really only the aftertaste. Like, during, it just kind of tastes like beer. And then afterwards, yeah. it's like, oh... It's like a strong smell component, but taste not so much. Like it just kind of lingers around there afterwards. But I don't taste anything else really either. Pilsners don't have much of a taste mm-hmm. to begin with. So it's an interesting idea. It's 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 good. It's a very it's tasty fine. pilsner with the it smoke. Is, because it's interesting. I don't know if mm-hmm. I want to drink a lot of this though. No. I mean, only because we have twelve more. But, 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 <laughs> but on a normal day. Even so, I don't want to have dragon breath and <laughs> smell like smoke. Or like Michael Jackson in a Pepsi commercial. Oh yeah. I don't know. It's a timely, really? it's a timely reference. That was, big, that was a big thing. His hair caught on fire, and it burned off his nose. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it burned the clothes off a little boy in his dressing room hours later. <laughs> Years later. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Shaman. Shamona. So to recount the plot of Slaughterhouse-Five oh is really one. pretty difficult because the book is not written in chronological order. And not only is it not like presented, the parts of the book aren't presented in chronological order, but there's also, there's the real, there's the World War II stuff that is like totally understandable and seems like it kind of happened, even though it's ridiculous. And then there's the weird sci-fi parts that are not only weird and sci-fi, but also don't happen in chronological order. And so it just jumps around like crazy. Well, that the thing in our little intro tag, Billy Pilgrim is unstuck in time. He mm-hmm. travels because the Trafalmadorians... Trafalmadorians. There's an F in there. I said Trafal... Traf, I said Trafalmador... I don't know. Trafalmadorians? Traf, Trafal? Trafalmadorians? Something, like, Something that. like that. The Trafalmadorians. Weird aliens. aliens. They don't see... They see... The, they see they, you know, we experience things in three dimensions... They experience in four dimensions, and that fourth dimension is time. So when they look at something, they see... They experience all of time at once. Yes, so they Mm -hmm. see its beginning, middle, and end. And they have this... They're totally fine with that, and they think it's sad that we don't see things that way. Mm -hmm. And anyway, they abduct Billy Pilgrim, and he spends, according to him, you know, being like crazy and everything. But anyway, he is abducted by them, and he learns about them. But So he learns about this stuff, but then also like goes back to Earth and learns to be unstuck in time. 
from them, I guess. Yeah, he sees, or at least he does. A little bit. He, he does things like that, like like suddenly he'll be like, oh, and all of a sudden I was back in 1944. Well, it's like if they can see all time at once and they just choose to focus on different periods, like willingly, like like they like to spend a lot of time looking at the happy times and they just know it all. So he's seeing all time happening at once, or like it's like the guy in um Watchmen. Yeah, the uh, Doctor Manhattan, Manhattan, where he's, he's experiencing all of time concurrently. There's a big blue dong hanging out. I saw that movie the first time at a planetarium projected on the, the dome. So a lot of it was just that dick hanging, just like, oh, <laughs> oh this movie is really weird. One of the most disappointing things about, about that movie, besides that movie, was when I like that movie. he's marching around in Vietnam just blowing shit up, and, and he's 60 feet tall, and he's wearing, and he's wearing underwear. I was like, bullshit. If you want to strike fear into an army, let him <laughs> see a nine-foot dick hanging out in front of them. Then just thwap a guy with it. I have to take out a tank with your dick. Right? Yeah, I would. <laughs> I've, totally. That's why one of my favorite things in the world is when you go to a place and they have ice cubes in the urinal and you pee on it. It's like you have a laser cock. <laughs> 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 you just melt that shit. I like that it's lasers and not just like dick. regular temperature stuff. No, I have a laser dick. <laughs> <laughs> and I try to like summon every bit pew, of moisture pew. out of my body to like, let me get all that ice. I'm going to get it all down. Why do they put the ice there? Is it so the people who drink it in the basement can keep it cool? I have no... <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea why they do that. I mean, maybe they're just too, it's cheaper than urinal pucks. I have no, I don't know why. No idea. But I'm, I'm grateful every time. It's to like keep it chilled like a nice white wine. Right, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's like the room temperature. Anyway. So, so Billy's unstuck in time, and the na- and Billy, it's narrated by Vonnegut, presumably, mm-hmm. but Billy kind of just travels around, and he, it focuses on a couple different times, like him in the, in the war. That's probably the major part of the book. Yeah. Him hanging out with the aliens... When they just plucked him out, and he spent years there in a zoo, but it only was an instant on Earth time. Mm-hmm. Like there's like a well, time, time time is relative, yeah. right? So, so he he didn't miss anything on Earth, and nobody missed him. So when he comes, no one, you know, it wasn't like he was gone for ten years. And it's called here's where I was. People are skeptical, to say at least. And he lived in a zoo. Mm-hmm. He was with a, a exhibit with exhibition. an actress, with a porn star, with porn name was was a porn Mon- star? Montana mm-hmm. Wild or something like that's her name. Yeah, she's yeah. like a serious porn name. Glad to see that hasn't changed since 1969 when this book came out. Like porn names are still pretty much the same. Yeah. I mean, it's very straightforward. Well, sometimes they try to be, like, creative with him, I guess. But, like, like Peter North doesn't really, like, have anything. His real name is Peter West. <laughs> his name is, like, it's, like, Alt- Alton is his first name. Okay. I think his name is Alton Brown, but that's also the guy from Good Eats. So yeah, it's probably not Alton Brown. I, I think it is, though. That would be great. <laughs> he changed his name. He's like, I don't want to be like Yeah, he had to change it because there's only one allowed in the Screen Actors Guild. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Michael Keaton is Michael Douglas. Is that right? Yeah, he had to change his name because there's already a Michael Douglas. So he, he liked Diane Keaton, so he said, Michael Keaton. Wow, that's crazy. Mm. That's fucking blowing my mind right now. I need another beer. Have yeah, another beer. Totally. I'm just going to keep going on this smoke we are thing. burn through all of these, like those bombs burn through Dresden. So I'm, I haven't had this in a long time. This is a German smoked beer. This is unpronounceable, black lettering bullshit, Schlenkerla smoke beer. It is a Marzen. I think it's relatively... Isn't that made out of a... Uh, marzipan? Marzipan, yeah. It means March when they're traditionally brewed. I can't even read these letters. Right? It's that black letter stuff. Ekt so it smells, Rauchbier. It smells very smoky. This is even smokier than the McKellar one. It smells kind of like a, like a smoked meat. I'm getting serious bacon out of this. <laughs> Sausage. Though it's not salty like bacon. Or something. It, it's, it is a unique, it's a unique <laughs> flavor. It's a unique smell. I haven't tasted it. That is fucking weird. It's like smoked meat. Yeah, for sure. This is like, if, this is like a bacon puree. <laughs> I mean, I've had this only once or twice before. You know, it's not bad. It's interesting, right? Like, if, mm-hmm. if, if someone said, have this smoked meat beer, I'd be like, fuck off. But <laughs> actually, it's, it's all right. 
You mean pastrami beer? We don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about that at all. I mean, this is a it's it's like the original smoke beer. It's it's unique. It's uh it's interesting. I think it's better than the McKellar one. Yeah, I like this more. I mean, only because the McKellar one just tastes like beer with some smoke flavor aftertaste, but this is more like the smoke is there all the time. It's more like it's balls deep intense in smoke. smoke flavor too and smell. Yeah, it 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 feels like I'm drinking something left over from a barbecue. It's like dare I say more like in in a more intense smoky flavor, like more depth to it. Like there's yeah mm-hmm. more there. Yeah. Like it's just like not just smoke, but like I don't know. Like I'm like if it's like evoking campfires and, and ribs to me right now. I would, not just because I'm hungry. Yeah, I would like to eat a lot of ribs right now. Ribs for her pleasure. <laughs> ribs for our pleasure. <laughs> so there's we they um, Billy Pilgrim yeah. travels around and he his daughter thinks he's full of shit. The third thing, the third sort of like period of time that's featured in the book, though no, in no particular order, is him as middle-aged. Right. When he's a successful ophthalmologist. Optometrist. Yeah. And he's, his wife, his fat wife's father set him up in the optometry field and he's been and doing he's been that. Like fucking mm-hmm. king of optometry. In um, Ilium, New York, which is where a lot of other crap in Vonnegut's books take place. And there's characters in this book that appear in other books. Like he... Has like a it's all in one shared universe. universe, I guess. Yeah, though sometimes the characters do different things. Like, mm-hmm. and Billy Pilgrim is really interested in the novels of this obscure, unsuccessful sci-fi writer named Kilgore Trout. Mask replica. Huh? Yeah, so I was thinking, <laughs> so the whole time, like fucking Captain Beefheart, <laughs> who happens to live in Ilium, New York, for totally random reasons, running a newspaper racket. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where he makes oh, with children. With children, yeah, he's like the slave driver of children of paper boys. Mm-hmm. And, and he has no it's fans. Like, it's like a paperboy sweatshop. Like, they work for nothing, and he treats them like he, like total shit. He's a nine-year-old. And like Old-timey newsies. And then when they quit, he's like, ah, oh, shit, now I got to deliver those papers. <laughs> it's pretty he's like, I used up all the kids in town. But he writes, he's written like hundreds of sci-fi books. Like he's, you know, the typical sci-fi writer of the 60s. They turn out a book every six weeks and sell them to pulp magazines and stuff like that. But nobody buys his. And they mention a, the plots of a bunch of them throughout the book. But... We'll get. I think we should get to that later. The other thing, even though the order of the plot doesn't ma- matter, well, I think the order of like topics to talk about is more interesting. Like getting yeah. the 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 gist is there, and then Billy Pilgrim because he is he sees time now all at once. He knows when he's going to die and how it's going to happen, mm-hmm. and he knows when he's not going to die and when everyone around him is going to die. Yes, so he knows. So like, he's never I'm, nervous. I will totally survive this horrific thing that's about to happen. Yeah, plane crash. Yeah, he's the only one that survives a plane crash. He knows kills he's... all the other to- optometrists. And then his business really took off, <laughs> unlike that plane. And then he's... <laughs> no, the plane took off. Oh, yes. <laughs> and then he knows he's going to survive the Dresden thing. He knows he's going to survive the camp. So he gets. He knows his wife is going to die driving to the hospital after his his skiing accident. Uh, after... No, that's the he after the mountain. The, yeah, gets the plane crash. Speaking of you know not being afraid of dying, let's have this other beer, which is uh, by Foreign Object Objects. It's called. Death posture. Cool. Oh, that just hop hop me in the face. It is double dry hop IPA, eight point one percent alcohol. It's very dry. It's practically gaseous, kind of like Dresden was after they were done with it. Wow, that smells ridiculously delicious. Pineapple, coconut, or something like tropical fruit. I'm getting like pine. Pine, like a forest. Well, oh, yeah, I get that, yeah. A little bit. Like a Christmas tree. Really? I'm getting, like, straight Copacabana butt oil smell. Like, I'm sorry, what kind of oil? Did you ever see that little ladies' man or whatever it was? <laughs> the, like, 
Oh, Coconut yeah. butt lotion? Oh, yes, I got that at the Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> I, get, I get a lot of um, tropical smells. This is extremely hoppy. It's double dry hopped. It's, in going, both holes. it's going in dry. It's a great IPA. It's not super, not super bitter either. It's pretty bitter. I don't think so. It's not the bitterest, but it's, a, it's maybe like a weird grapefruit kind of thing. I get that, yeah. Yeah, that, that kind of bitter. Well, it's got a bajillion hops in there. We learned how to say motuka the other day. It's got motuka. I think that's galaxy. It says on the can that types of hops is I a I like a few tukas. No, motuka is no problem. <laughs> so. I think this is a pretty good, pretty good double IPA. It does not taste that strong. It is not my thing, but it's, it's, it's okay. I don't want much of it, but it's not bad. It is the opposite in every way of the charcoal bacon burg meat juice we just had. <laughs> yeah, I prefer this to those. This is pretty, pretty sweet. I'm trying to think of what other major things. We, we mentioned he spends some time in a POW camp. That's some funny shit happens there. Basically, everyone around him dies, and then he's with uh, a douchebag and two scouts, and then the scouts die... And he and the douchebag are caught by the Germans. The three musketeers, right? There, so he, oh, he's, the, like, he's like a, he's a, he's the army chaplain's assistant. Yeah. He but, doesn't know how to fight. But he's going around and Billy Pilgrim's tall and lanky and dopey. And there's these other three guys who think they're badass and they call themselves the three musketeers. Or, and or then, just, just the douchebag calls him that. The other guys don't like him either. Well, true. Yeah. <laughs> right. He says the three musketeers. But then he's like, all right, go save Billy Pilgrim. Because Pilgrim's like doing whatever. He, he, he's he's like, telling them, leave me here. I can't do this. <laughs> and he's like cowering I can't walk a tree. Anymore. and then you know he goes to get him and then you hear the other two guys get shot and then they get um captured and they're taken in by um the germans and they're sent on a boxcar to a camp i don't know if they say the name of the camp it wasn't like any of the famous named ones i mean it wasn't a concentration camp it was a pow camp right so they're sent there and on in the process the dude who saved uh billy pilgrim dies because when they capture him, they take his boots. The Germans take his boots and oh, they make yeah. him wear these old, shitty clogs. He gets like abscesses on his he feet. He gets gangrene. gangrene. <laughs> like actual wooden clogs. Yeah. And he tells everybody on his boat, on his boss car, Billy Pilgrim is responsible for my death. Yeah. And <laughs> then they're like, we'll fucking hate that guy. And this, that will be important later. And then Billy Pilgrim's in the camp. And then and they gave him a woman's coat. It's like a, a tiny little jacket that they said it was for like an organ grinder monkey. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it looks like. And it has a fur collar. Yeah, and it, like the sleeves immediately tear, so it's like a vest. It's like Chris Farley doing the fat guy in a little coat. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> they get to the camp, and it's there's like a British section and a Russian section, and the British have been there the whole war. They, yeah, they, they were, were captured, captured instantly. And they've, they've got camp set up. Because there was a, an error. They were getting 10 times the amount of Red Cross rations and shit they were supposed <laughs> to get, so they have stockpiles of stuff. It's like tons. And the Germans respect them because they're all British officers, and they're like, they know how to s- surrender because the Americans get all surly and don't want to die, but the British are like, chip, chip, cheerio, this is my duty kind of thing, and the Germans respect that, so they kind of give them free reign in the camp. And when the Americans get there, the British put on a performance of, was it Cinderella or Snow White? They put on a performance of some fucking fairy tale. Play. They have like care packages for every American soldier, and they've got all this stuff for them. But immediately, oh yeah, and they put on the play, and it's all men playing all the parts. And Billy Pilgrim like steals the slippers, which are just like painted boots. But anyway, because he didn't have his own boots, but... All the Americans, because they, they eat, they eat amazing food after being starved for days. So they all just shit themselves. But horribly. Yeah. <laughs> and Americans, it's terrible, like horrible farting is happening. It's like that scene from Blazing Saddles, but 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 worse. World War Two scale. And they, uh, but Billy Pilgrim looks funny, and everybody's like laughing at him for looking like a joke. And like, are you making fun? Are you making fun of the war, Billy Pilgrim? Because you're wearing this fucking ridiculous outfit. 
And he's like, I just don't want to. I just can't. I just don't want to be here. I'm just going to go sit and have the eyes roll back in my head and travel in time. Which he does frequently. Yeah. Randy kind of goes back and forth. And um, eventually they're moved to Dresden. Him and only like five other guys. Yeah, I forget. Well, because they, they keep small dropping other people off along the way. It's kind of funny. He talks about the train. Every every stop, a car or two of the train stays there. So by the time they get to Dresden, it's like the locomotive that pulls it, and then one car of passengers where they're kept like cattle, and one car of German officers or, who are living like kings. It's like as he puts it, like it's like the first class car. Mm-hmm. And then they go to Dresden, and then they have like a, I forget what they're doing there, but they're there for a few days, and then the firebombing happens. Maybe maybe longer than a few days. They work in the malt factory. Oh yeah. He eats the he's honey off a spoon. <clears throat> it's not honey. It's vitamin syrup. But something. it's basically malted barley syrup. For pregnant women. Which is the main ingredient in beer, so let's have one. We've only got forty three to go. The incendiary one, because we're about to talk about that. Well, I think like these four four beers have to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. This is from Burying Brewing Company, brewed in collaboration with Incendiary. Burying? Barrier. Oh, okay. It is I think it's actually not called incendiary. It's called Front Toward Pilsner. Which still fits. Why does it say incendiary on That's, the top then? That is the, one of the collaborating um, breweries. Oh, okay. So it still works. I mean, I brought this. Well, front front towards enemy is, you know, that's a war thing. That's true. It is a war thing. And I'm um, sure there was at least one barrier in the war. That's the true. Siegfried line. Is that the, or the, with the Maginot line? Or is that yeah, World the, War II? No, Maginot line that's was also World War II. Oh, right. It was World it's, War I. It's right next to the Roy line. The Siegfried line. Until the Tiger line came in. Just uh, mold they that shit. only allow white tigers. <laughs> well, it was in Europe. So this is a Pilsner brewed between Barrier, which are there in is it Oceanside, New York? And I've never heard of Incendiary. I don't know where they are from. Oceanside, yeah. I don't know. Doesn't uh, doesn't say. Does it say how much how strong this is? It doesn't doesn't feel like much is going on alcohol wise. I think it says five. I can't read it. It's very tiny. My eyes aren't what they used to. Five point oh, yeah. Mm. Just oh, like the good. book. Slaughterhouse five point oh. Mm-hmm. Is the uh Aha. The lame 1994 email version of that. <laughs> is it dry hopped? It says dry hopped, yeah. It's a dry hopped Pilsner. Sure. Why not? It is a little hoppier than the average Pilsner. It's nice. Yeah, this is a good crushing. It says crushable on there somewhere, too. Is that, is that like session, but with yeah. a more bro-y way? It's the bro-y to say, yeah. It's crushable. Like that puss. <laughs> 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 Crush that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like the cool way to say sessionable. What, kind of, what kind of man would say that, would say that it's crushable? Uh, a, a douche. Like a strong man? Like, oh, a, like, like a macho man? <laughs> <laughs> I think I definitely would be a macho man. A macho, macho man. I don't, do you I know anyone know. who's like that? I knew a dude. Uh, a- Andy? <laughs> Andy? Andy Mean? <laughs> R- Randy Savage. <laughs> <laughs> She's a horny, horny mean guy. <laughs> Tandy Ravage? That sounds like porn, actually. Tandy Ravage is a, a very British porn man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I've fallen into your anus again. <laughs> I do declare I'm about to ejaculate. <laughs> I sound like Snagglepuss. But <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. I think we've established that none of us are very good at any voices. but <laughs> The beer makes us think it for a moment. It makes us infinite. you got to believe. <laughs> Parappa the Rappa line again. That's a very generic line, but yeah, Parappa. It's Parappa on set. Nate doesn't know what that game is. He's missing out. No idea. It's, it's just, go play the emulator of it. It's a video game where you have to rap you're with a dog, cartoon you're dogs. A dog, you're a dog with a hat, and you got to push the, it was like before Guitar Hero, you push the buttons in time, and he raps. Though it was almost impossible to uh, have any sense of real flow. Like, it was never really It was super jerky. Good. Yeah. In the, uh, 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 yeah, because you had to like, time the thing. It was like kind of like karaoke, but you have to time hitting the buttons. 
So kick, punch, it's all in the mind. It was like the first rap song, and you'd go, now kick, and you'd do like three, kick, kick. And you'd, <laughs> now turn, and you'd go, turn, turn. You'd never get it right on time. It was really awful. I played it a lot, actually, as a kid. It's one game. Onion Master. That's the first level, yeah. I beat the shit out of that game. Fucking white chocolate and so much I was rapping. <laughs> beat the shit out of it like the Allies beat the shit out of Dresden. Yes. Yes, I, I bombed that shit. Firebombed Parappa the Rapper. I was spitting that street fire. So Billy Pilgrim. So Billy Pilgrim. G fire. So Billy Pil- Pilgrim. He's there in Dresden and just working in the uh, malt syrupy malt factory, whatever it is. And then, but the place where he and the other POWs go stay is in a slaughterhouse, like underground in a slaughterhouse. That's where they're left to. That's like where their rooms are, their bunks, or wherever they're supposed to live. And it just so happened that because there's something like five stories underground, that's how they were able to survive. Mm-hmm. When pretty much everyone else in the city totally died yeah most of the germans that were sent to guard them mm-hmm. left to be with their families and were then killed so there's only them and a handful of like young guys who had nowhere else to go survive basically he said it looked like the surface of the moon yes because it's just ash real ash holes <laughs> they were in an ash hole <laughs> <laughs> a really big ash hole <laughs> well, <there's... laughs> that is a giant ash hole <laughs> Oh my god! And um, he's with there. Some of the other POWs have like stories and names. Like there's the I forget his name. The guy who's the teacher, who's like a forty something year old man. Oh, like the uh, super. He's like the yeah, like the patriot. right. I'm doing the right thing. The guy that eventually gets executed for stealing something really little. A so it goes. Yeah. So, so the whole. But as soon as you meet him, they're like he would be late. He'd be shot ninety seven days later. So it goes. Yeah. So that let's talk about that because that's I was hoping there would be a beer like a ghost called So It Ghosts that I could find for this, but no, no luck. So it goes, and we don't get one. <laughs> That line is on just about every page of the book. It's every time someone dies. It's not even that. It's more than that. It's, it's like that. when yeah. they mention someone dying. Or someone stubbing their toe. It's just anytime shit works out in a crummy way. So, you know, a lot of times it's like, and then they got shot in the head. So, so it, it goes. goes. New paragraph. But it also happens in totally like his mother was like, how did I get so old? And, and then she would live for another eight years. So it goes. Like just kind of saying like, I mean, I think a big theme in the book is fate and destiny and stuff like that. He's like, so yeah, it goes. because he can see all of time at once. Right, but like things just kind of happen, and you can't question them. You can't argue time is, it. Time is fixed. Right. So, And the, the, the Tralfalmadorians laugh at the concept of free will. Right? There's a, they mention that. Everything you've ever done has already happened. Everything you're going to do has technically already happened from their perspective, so you don't have any ability to make other choices because it's already happened. I mean, they, they already know how the universe ends. Mm-hmm. They end it accidentally, and then they like, well, oh, yeah, why they don't know. you just not do that? I mean, that's how it, that's how it happens. It already did. It's done, man. We're what just enjoying this time. Experiment? Yeah, they're trying to some sort of weapon or something that destroys the universe. I wonder what he was referring to there. Hmm... What is that about? Like the so it goes. Why does he say it so much in the book? I don't know, but I have a thought about it. So the book is Tell also a fat hoe over there. You have a thought. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your thought. So she's a dime piece. <laughs> the book became famous because it came out during the Vietnam War, and it was an anti-war book. And so that's a really important piece of the whole thing, being anti-war for sure. And we'll talk more about that later. But if you are fighting in a war, there are people dying all the time, and you don't really. So often, you don't have the time to mourn or reflect or really think about what's going on. When somebody dies, and you just have to kind of go, oh, so it goes, and go on to the next thing. So that was my perhaps, my thought was maybe that's the kind of feeling he's trying to show. But he does it even after the war, 
Right. It's only like throughout the I mean, rest of the, the life. When it, for when sure. Wife dies. But the whole, it's the theme of the whole He's book. He's the only one that lives on the airplane. So they were, the barbershop quartet was singing this when they got, oh, right. so it goes. The barbershop quartet of optometrists. <laughs> I forgot what their name was. They had a bit of clever name. Oh, they have to have a clever name. I don't know. Here comes treble. <laughs> the bass holes. <laughs> <laughs> Lens. Check out those sweet glasses. <laughs> While well, you do that, I'll look up the actual name. Contact with your mom lenses. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really a central plot point. No, it really is. <laughs> totally. Just, what did you just Google, like Slaughterhouse-Five Barbershop Quartet? The cunts. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That was a, that was a doo-wop group. Was the Four-Eyed <laughs> Bastards. There it is. The uh, not as clever as I thought it was, but... <laughs> that's that was really not clever at all. That was totally worth it, Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so the Soviet Ghost thing, maybe that works for the for the World War II scenes, but for the rest of the book, it's still Soviet Gozing for everything. I think it's because he's already everything already happened. I mean, even I. So I, I hear what you're saying, but even though there's so much other weird stuff, I would still say the war is the most important part of the book and the main point. It's of definitely the, book. the most yes. important part. Yeah, even I though agree. there is so much other weird stuff, you almost it's uh, another thing we should talk about is why if you're going to write a book about such a serious thing of. World War II and the firebombing of Dresden, why would you write such a silly book? It's a good question. Because, I mean, Kurt Vonnegut, have you read other Vonnegut stuff? It's kind of all weird. I recently read... You must be a weird dude. I recently read Sirens of Titan, and it was even weirder, for sure. And, That's and, like straight sci-fi. And featured the Tralfalmadorians. Tralfalmadorians. They were in it, too. And I was like, oh, wait, I've heard of them. That sounds familiar. This is the only one of his I've ever read, so I don't know. I've read a few things, and they're all strange. Cat's Cradle, fucking weird as shit. Also, in Cat's Cradle, he says, there's a line he says constantly. And that he says, see the cat, see the cradle. All the fucking time. Like, there are like 130 chapters in that book. They're like two pages each. 90% of the chapters have that line in there somewhere. That's the last line of the chapter, too. <laughs> and then the doctor did this thing. See the cat, see the cradle. Chapter 92. And they would just go on. Maybe it's training you to be like a, it's like a Pavlovian response. Maybe, I mean, I think so. I think it's like to make you used to it. And it's just kind of like, it's like mantra or something. Which makes sense for that book. And a totally useless side story. I recently read Dan Brown's new book. We don't have those on this show, Nate. We are always about one thing and one thing. Staying on task. Always <laughs> on task. So this is the new one you guys were looking forward to? Yeah, exactly. Which ended up being, you know, even shittier than his other ones. But Oh, great. And it, but shittier in the book, than Lost Symbol? Because mm, that was like getting shit in your probably eyes. Probably not as quite as bad is as Lost Symbol. one about the origins of humanity? So, so it, the it book, it says it, it all many times. He says, you know, the, the focus on the two big questions of humanity. Where are we coming from? Where did we come from? And where are we going? It said it like every chapter. Man, and didn't we predict that? Yeah, we did. We actually nailed it at least 50%, probably more. But anyway, um, every time they said that, all I could think in my head was, where do we come from? Where do we go? Where do we come from? Cotton Eye Joe. And that just went <laughs> into my head like, every time it said that. It's an, it's an appropriate soundtrack for that film. Yeah, and we did, you know. And it was like every chapter. It's like, fucking there it is again. I mean, I find it kind of annoying. The, and it loses its effect in Slaughterhouse Five for me. And I know a guy in college who had to, at least one person, I think two actually, who had So It Goes tattooed on their body somewhere. People fucking suck, suck this book's dick. You know, uh, they suck Billy Pilgrim's dick, which is apparently large. Oh, yeah. He's got a freak dick. There's a line in there. There's Billy according Pilgrim to the Trafalmadorians. No, according to, well, they, it's according to the narrator. He said, it's one of oh, my, wait, it, it laughed out loud reading it. He said, when they, when they introduced the porn actress girl to be his mate, 
he's she screams and passes out, and he's naked there. And it said Billy Pilgrim had a tremendous wang. <laughs> <laughs> so Furious. it goes. But it, that, it didn't say so. It, it didn't goes, say so, but, but it says something really funny. Is that you never know who's going to get one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's really just a matter of luck. <laughs> it's like it's not. It's just, they're not given out. You know, in a way that is predictable. <laughs> this is just another random thing. So whichever guy Kurt Vonnegut knew in the war that got killed had a tremendous wang. He tripped his dick hit a landmine and he died. <laughs> <laughs> he got stuck in the slaughterhouse and he. We should have another beer. Is that yeah, what you're, definitely. Mm-hmm. Void of Light by Gun Hill Brewing Company from the Bronx. Bronx. That's the place near here. That is very dark. It's almost like entirely the, void of light. Where's this from? I'm gonna, I don't know. I can. I guess is Gun Hill a place? Gun I, Hill Brewing Company. But no, is that a place in the Bronx? I have no fucking idea. I don't know anything about that. I, I have no idea. I can name you like two. Like Riverdale is like ritzy Bronx, and then there's Spite and Dival, which is unpronounceable it, Bronx. Is and, that how you say that? Yeah, I know. Because I've seen that written out, but I've never I heard thought it. Was, it's like Hoyt Skimmerhorn, where you're like, I think that's mm. how you say that one. Spiten Dival. Spiten Dival. Is that what it says? Is that what it's made? No, this is, it just says Bronx, New York. They don't really go for the neighborhood. And then there's just the South Bronx. That looked like um, when Reagan was campaigning, he said it looked like London after the Blitz. It was, a rough, it was a rough place for a long time. Because it was cheaper for apartment building owners to just burn their own building down and get insurance money than to they, actually they treat lot of, as an apartment. a lot of insurance fraud happening. This smells really lovely. It smells quite, quite like fruity, almost. I, it's very strong. Or at least it's sort of like it's, you can really taste the alcohol. It's 7.9%. I don't taste alcohol. It's, it, tastes like, it tastes like a stout. Chocolatey notes? It's that chocolate coffee stout vibe. Like whiffs of dark fruit. Like <clears throat> fig or something. I don't know what the fuck a fig tastes like. I just want to pick up lines. Hey, do you have any figs? No? How about a date? Oh, God damn it. <laughs> it's like, where is this one going? I don't understand. <laughs> How do you know? It's uh Makes the chicks cra- craisin for... Oh, sorry. Yeah, craisins? <laughs> well, I was trying to go for crazy and raisin. But yeah, that's already a thing. Fucking craisins? This is a pretty good stout. I like it. I feel like it's like it's okay. missing something. I, like, I wouldn't want to drink a lot of this. It just falls into that... Chocolate coffee vibe that I don't. Yeah, it needs like a little something. It's really good at that. I just, for if I were to go get more of this, I'd want there to be like some little thing that sets it apart. Yeah, like if this is this is the thing that like oh, and this is now we're gonna take this and put it in a fucking tequila barrel. That sounds really cool. Or we're gonna then throw a bunch of vanilla beans in there. You can take that. It's pretty good though. I've never heard of Gun Hill Brewing Company. Me either. It's a cool looking can. It's a foreign style stout. That means it can't vote. That's true. (laughs) It's an inanimate object. It owns a bodega. It means Trump will deport it. <laughs> Get this beer it's while you de- can. It's deported beer. Nice. It, uh-huh. they're not, it's, it's a beer that they have not sent us their best, sent us their rapists. So I hear. <laughs> so Billy Pilgrim and his big cock travel through time. And space. And space. And uh, he lives for years with the Trafalmadorians and Montana Wild, who's like 20 and has, uh, uh, is really hot. She's got like big tits, which is about all it takes. For some people. Yeah. And there's a doodle of her tits in the book. There is. Oh, it's, it's the, her necklace. Which is important, too. That line appears twice. The thing that's written on her necklace. I forgot what it is. Like, God, give me the strength to... To the serenity prayer? Yeah. How does it go? Give me the strength to accept the... To change the things I can and accept the things I can't I know, change. And the wisdom to know the difference. Something in like that, yeah. Which kind of ties back into the whole fate, destiny thing of the book. Right? You can't change the future, according to the Trafalmadorians. Who knows? And... This line is in the book. That can't be an accident. I mean, yeah. They're kind of right in this book. In one sense. But there's also the sense that it could all be made up. 
Well, yeah. That Billy Fulgram could just be crazy. And I'm, I'm pretty convinced that that's what it is. You mean that he was just crazy the whole time? Because every weird thing that he sees in his travels through time, he also sees somewhere else in his normal life, like in the basic things. Like, so he reads the Kilgore Trout books, and Kilgore Trout writes a book about a guy trapped in the space zoo. Hmm. And yeah. then hmm. um, he, Montana Wild, he goes to like a Times Square the porn theater pit, you know, pit teep, uh, peep show store, and he sees pictures of her there. And she's like a nobody, and she kind of just vanishes. You know, he fantasizes that he lived with her, and they had a kid in the space zoo for years. <laughs> so he's As just, you do. He's seeing, his, seeing things and creating this elaborate alien narrative because he's just nuts. Yeah, it's like, I mean, aren't there like movies that have that, essentially, where a crazy person just kind of puts... Isn't that the entire plot of Usual Suspects? Sort of, yeah. But except he's consciously doing it yeah. to, to, to string on Chaz Palminteri. No one can string on Chaz Palminteri. Man's a genius. I think... At the end, like it's, you can totally interpret the whole book as if perhaps the stress of like post-traumatic, post-traumatic stress disorder is why Billy Pilgrim has these crazy ideas. And it's just crazy. And it makes and it, it, all up. it... It makes it a, it's a different more book. powerful anti-war statement if he's lost his than if it's like aliens diddling him in a zoo. If uh, he the goes aliens nuts, didn't diddle him. He just diddled a porn star. I mean, who wouldn't if you're trapped in a cage with one and you don't worry about syphilis? That's true. I mean, they didn't mention butt stuff, but you know what happened. Is that better or worse? Depends on if it's, you know, <laughs> your birthday or not. <laughs> Let's have another beer. <laughs> but I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Is it possible? Speaking of butt stuff, this beer's called the Brown Note. <laughs> 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 Which I picked 99% because I wanted to buy this beer because of the can art. Which shows a guy with <laughs> shitty underwear. <laughs> it is the Brown Note by Against the Grain Brewery. It is... More like Against the Taint. It is... <laughs> Uh, this is Phantom Wipe. <laughs> um, they're from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, it's a five percent alcohol brown ale. It says drink from the can, but that's we're not going family style on that can. We're going to use cups, like gentlemen. Cups haven't reached Kentucky yet. That's probably why. <laughs> I, so, how did I try to pretend to connect this to Slaughterhouse Five? Uh, it must have been scary in the Slaughterhouse, <laughs> and they shit their pants. I'm sure plenty of people should. Therefore, pants. the brown note. Close enough. We. I, I feel like we've had crappier connections. <laughs> 100%, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Beer. See, so I did there. And um, I just really wanted to buy this. Man, tastes like beer. It tastes like a... I mean, brown ale is one of those styles that's mild. We talked about this at some point. If it's stronger, if it's, you increase something about it, it's no longer a brown ale. I feel like there's a brown ale that I used to have a lot of, but I can't remember what it was. Doo-doo. It was doo-doo. Oh, right. It was doo-doo. So, um, brown ale, this beer is okay. If you're into brown ales, it's really good. If you're not into brown ales, you'll probably not be thrilled with it. It's fine. It tastes like a, you know... It's kind of like nutty flavors... Not too, what, not that kind of nut, okay. and not super hoppy. Just a touch of bitterness, but kind of you know sweetness in there from the malt, I guess. Yeah, it's it's thin nice. body. It's pleasant. It's all right. Yeah, the I mean, can the can is hilarious. The can is amazing. I feel like for that though, like it should be, like if I were to make a beer and the can art was a guy who shits his pants, <laughs> I would want. It's like, pretty a, much the best representation of that that you could have. I would want a beer that was like super thick and had peanuts floating in it, <laughs> and a little bit of corn. A little bit of corn. From what I've heard, you have a problem with corn. Like, that does, hey. I was totally that in confidence. <laughs> the, um, and now let's put it on the internet. <laughs> I'm not sure what story you're talking about, honestly. <laughs> talking about when I, when I, I sewer backed up my house? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, was, that is the thing. Not far from where we're sitting. Um, the, <laughs> the sewer thing backed up, and uh, poop water was in the basement. Poop water. And uh, that's really what it was. And then you're like, oh, my God. 
how much corn do we eat? <laughs> <laughs> all, all of the corn. It was way too much corn. It's like shocking. <laughs> then you got to fucking call a plumber and get him on that. <laughs> to find that corn. They're used to it. They know. You're going to finish that corn? No, yeah, I'm finishing that corn there. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun day. The first, I have to tell, show my wife this, of course, and she's like, oh my God, we're not having corn anymore. <laughs> Then we called over her dad, who's much handier than I am, because I'm like fucking an idiot. And he's like, let me see if I can fix this. And he just doesn't respond to it. It's like, how are you not saying something? <laughs> <laughs> he's seen it all before. It's like, how, how are we not talking about that? <laughs> that, was good. that was a good day. Drink this beer or shit yourself trying. <laughs> That's what it says. Okay. I definitely could drink this beer. I don't need to shit myself trying. So what do you guys think? Is it possible that that's what it, or do you think that actually is in the, I mean, the universe of the book, Billy Pilgrim had all that weird shit happen? It's such a weird book and he's such a weird writer that it seems plausible he meant for the alien stuff to really have happened rather than it be just, <clears throat> he's hallucinating it. But then why put all that shit, all where these other can, things, where it's like, it could also be this thing. Like It's true. Is it, I mean, maybe the point is to make us not know, which is probably it. Make, like, I mean, keep it maybe it's just because it's more interesting as a book. Definitely. If it's, if, it's too, it. if it's too straightforward, maybe people wouldn't be like as into it. Right. If it was just like, a time shittiness traveling of war. alien shit, it's like, this is a weird book. And don't forget, Everyone it was the 60s. This and was not even close to the weirdest thing that had come out in the 60s. Which was? Magical Mystery Tour. Oh, God. That was, I want that hour of my life back when we watched that. The Beatles mm-hmm. thing? Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. Well, acid was a hell of a drug. It's it's really terrible, though. More like goodbye, goodbye, you know? You don't <laughs> want to watch that shit ever again. <laughs> like, no, Jude. <laughs> it is weird, and Kurt Vonnegut's other stuff is way, that I've read, is way more science fiction-y. So Player Piano is like a dystopian thing. That was in the 50s, he wrote that. Um, Cat's Cradle is like super science fiction-y, where there's like a fucking special type of chemical that can be ice at room temperature <laughs> called Ice Nine. What? Yeah, it's actually, I mean, it's an easy read. It's a fast book. It's weird. I like Slaughterhouse-Five better. Um, what else did I read of his? His short stories, a lot of them are very science fiction. If you read Welcome to the Monkey House. That sounds like fun. I want it to is. go to there. It's about uh, sex. Oh, I don't want to go to there anymore. Yep. 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 I don't want to have sex in the monkey house. You mean you want to be in the Spank the Monkey House? I think I live there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, he does like a science fiction kind of thing. So it could be that he means it. I don't know. Let's just have this beer. We've got nine more to go. Who brought this one? What is it? Oh, I did. Sunshine City. It's from Florida. From Florida. Florida makes a beer? He does. Ah. That's also, this is an IPA, isn't it? I don't know. 6.8% alcohol, Sunshine City, India Pale Ale. So, by the Green Bench Brewing Company of St. Penisburg, Florida. So, what the fuck does this have to do with anything? Why are we reading? I mean, Uh, the brown note was a stretch. What is this about? Sunshine City, because the sun is on fire, like Dresden. (laughs) (laughs) That nailed. You won this week. <laughs> it's okay. For a day or two, Dresden looked like the surface of the sun. Ironically, mm. he said it looks like the moon. <laughs> well, that was afterwards, but during the bombing, it looked like the sun. Which just goes to prove that the moon and the sun are the same thing. No, Think no, for yourself, doesn't. sheeple. <laughs> Thank you, Flat Earther Jimmy. <laughs> Been watching the Joe Rogan show. Yes. Where he has his like, super conspiracy guys on there. Yeah. And they're like, fucking people are like, no, dude. The Earth is flat, and they mean it. They're really, not just joking. No, no. no there's, there's a whole thing. There's a whole movement. It's a flat Earth society. Oh, I mean, I know, but I always assumed most of those people are really just joking. 
No. No, there's like there's no, a guy. They're, fucking, they're just take the joke so seriously. There's a guy who tell. just built the rocket to, so he could build his own rocket so he could go up and see if he could see the curvature of the Earth. And he didn't die, which was surprising. But why doesn't he just go to the edge of the Earth and take a picture? Why has no one done that? Because the Jews cover it up. Because <laughs> you're just going to see the turtle's asshole there that's holding the earth up. <laughs> you can't see the turtle's asshole. You have to look under the earth. You can't crane your neck around that far. It's scary at the edge of the earth. You fall into space. <laughs> you don't do that. I think that's somewhere in Ohio. <laughs> you think someone would take the risk and take a picture? Someone, just once. Well, where's the edge, man? That's my point. I, I, that's I'm, my point. I'm, I, I know. I think he's in U2. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're touring in Asia right now. <laughs> Oh, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> two other guys on YouTube, no one knows about. <laughs> I'm, I was talking about that with someone. I was like, "Man, and there's those other two schlubs." He's like, "What do you mean?" And he rambled off their names. Like, Whoa, that's amazing! But he could have just been making them up. Adam West and <laughs> Robin Michael <laughs> Sheboygan. <laughs> and I would pick something that sounds a little more Irish, like uh, Sean Ferguson and. Uh, Liam McPotato Head. That's very that Irish. <laughs> That's the bass player. Is that a Gaelic name? <laughs> it's got 97 Gs that don't make any sounds. And, and uh, sometimes they have uh, Shillelagh McMurphy. <laughs> <laughs> he's there sometimes keyboard player. Yeah. He's <laughs> he plays. Uh, he plays the. He plays the Shillelagh. <laughs> he's carved holes into it, made a flute. <laughs> it just sounds like wind. They don't even they don't even plug a mic into him. They don't give a shit. No one's told him for thirty years. Just you do you, man. Just keep going. <laughs> this is so stupid. I'm gonna open this one in the name of love. Uh, it's a YouTube joke. One drink in the name of love. Coincidentally, that's what Bill Cosby said. <laughs> now he's in. What was the joke? Oh yeah, J Lo. J Lo. <laughs> he's not in J Lo. She doesn't take drinks from him. No, he's in J Lo. She's smarter than that. J I L. She's still Wait. Jenny from the block. You don't take a drink from a stranger. J A I L O. It's a lie. Or as what he said, they're all lies. Apparently, like went into a fucking curse-filled tirade, which I really want to hear. That's it. That's. Good, good job finding the recording of that so fast. <laughs> oh, I just had it on my phone. <laughs> so, Nate, you brought this. So, Michael, this is, <clears throat> you have to be careful when you chew this. It's supposed to be this soft. Pears are stupid, man. <laughs> you keep threatening to bring me a real pear. It hasn't happened. You, th- you said you would never have one out of spite. I will, I will not on my own. Ever. We'll make it happen. We'll make it force you to eat a pear. <laughs> so, this is called Desolation Prickly Pear Hard Cider. The desolation, obviously referring to the desolation of Dresden. Smaug. Oh, sorry. Him too. <laughs> different different Smaug. episode. Should have brought it for that Smaug. too. For some reason, apocal- uh, ciders, pear ciders, always seem to have to have, to have apocalyptic names. Because like they're the, all fucking terrible. Well, the other pear cider the other one was, was pears delicious. Pears are terrible. Excuse me, not the ciders. Well, that's because you don't know how to drink, eat a fucking pear. I don't know how to drink a pear. That's definitely true. Well, I think we're doing it right now. Here, I'll show you. Ouch. All right. It's so hard. <laughs> This isn't as good as the other one. No. The it other one was really good. This is much more dry. Like, and like Mike's used to. <laughs> this is what more of Mike's idea I'm of used pear. to having more like a potato-like texture. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know how to eat a pear. I have no patience for it. It doesn't take patience. It, it takes doctors. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's like really bad insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew that could be so complicated? Chill so, out. What are you yelling for? <laughs> 
So this the devis the desolation is Dresden. Should They're desolated. They done fucked it up. They lost the war. And um, oh, we never talked about who, who was like the the wannabe gangster guy in the war, like with the Italian name. You mean the American who was working for the Germans and he was their like propaganda dude? No, no, like the guy that is in Billy Pilgrim's prison camp, who's like the two time like the petty criminal. Oh, the one that wanted to kill him? Yeah, who who was best friend? Oh, of, the guy says, "God, that crosses me." I'll yeah, cut his nuts off or somewhere. And shit. he was, kill his dog. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you won't know when it's coming. I made his dog eat springs. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> You got a real hop in clock step springs. after that. <laughs> yeah. clock, clock springs, yeah. Suck my clock, dog. <laughs> no, that's what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, there's that dude. What? I forget his name. He Giuseppe. Died. Doesn't he die in some way? Don't they all die? No. Oh, he lives? No. Wait. He's responsible. Right. Because he promises the musketeer him, idiot, get I'll, get that, I'll get that Billy Pilgrim for you. I remember now. Yeah. And then he's an old, senile man, but Billy Pilgrim is now famous for going around telling people that all time is at once. And Paul Lazaro was yeah. his name. From Cicero, Illinois. Cicero. Interesting. Well, Paul Lazaro then, he's like, I'm going to, I'll get someone to shoot you, Billy Pilgrim. You got the next 20 years to relax, but then look out. Don't answer the door. He's like the lamest criminal from a 1930s gangster film. But then he actually does it. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Pilgrim's like, I'm going to die. He's like making a speech as an old man. I'm going to die in an hour. Someone's going to shoot me. It's cool. If you've been listening, then you should know not to be worried right now. So, uh, back to the question, why, if Kurt Vonnegut is trying to write about such a serious subject, why did he write such a silly book? <clears throat> such a weird, just bizarre, out of time, and like with this weird alien stuff, why did he write I just mean, a, such a silly book? I, I haven't read his other stuff, but from what you guys have told me, he, he just seems like a weird dude. Who writes, this is he writes weird style. books. Like, if he wrote one super serious war novel and a bunch of goofy sci-fi shit, it'd be kind of strange. So okay. this is, maybe this is his way of dealing with it. But he could have, had, there was plenty of like goofy war books that just all take place in the war. He could have focused a lot more on the stupid shit the British guys were doing when they're put on productions of Cinderella and making sure everybody has a toothbrush and a care package and guys fart a lot. Like they could have, could have made it goofy that way. That part definitely reminded me of Catch-22. Yes. It felt like it could fit in Catch-22. When the, the guy's putting on the play. and mm-hmm. That's one of the few books I couldn't finish. My book, well, we'll have to do it at some point. God definitely. I have to read it then. Yeah. You thought it was about Scobians, so you're very disappointed. I was very disappointed. Like, when is this book going to pick it up, pick it up? It's not really it happening did not. yet. <laughs> it did not pick it up ever. I mean, I, I was sort of thinking that Vonnegut, because he's writing an anti-war book, he's in a way trying to make war sound really silly, because he definitely goes out of his way to portray war as not heroic and not glorious in any way. And he talks about the firebombing of Dresden as completely pointless, because it didn't make the war end sooner by even a day. It didn't save a single, you know, American soldier. In fact, probably a bunch died. So it really was completely pointless. And he said then after the war, or he said then after that he wrote this book, only one person ever benefited from the firebombing of Dresden, and that was me because I read this book and made a bunch of money. Well, I'm glad he saw the silver lining in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, be- I mean, I understand that. It makes sense about making it seem silly and weird, but I don't know why you have to go that far out there. He went way out there. And it makes, I mean, I know, I think you could totally still interpret it that it's not real. And that Billy Pilgrim is fucking broken and crazy. We're talking about his name, by the way. Like, his name is William, but he, everyone calls him Billy because it's like a trick to make him more, uh, like, personable as an optometrist. Mm-hmm. Like, he called me Billy, you know, instead of William. Makes not him so seem formal. Like, makes it friendly, but it's also like a little boy's name. 
You know, like unless you're Billy D. Williams. Billy is what you call a kid. Billy D. It's a great like man. Billy the kid, you know. <laughs> so it's a boy's name. But what's the pilgrim about? Like that's a weird that's not the last name. It's going on a voyage. In space and time? Yeah, why not? But pilgrimages have like a end goal of some sort of religious thing usually. Yeah. Like Mecca. Or the children's crusade. <laughs> oh, mm. there you go. Ah. Which, of course, didn't make it to where it was trying to no, go. They were all enslaved. They were all, all the children <laughs> died or were enslaved. Yep. All right. Last beer. Jimmy, what do you got? What's it called? Molotov Light. So we've had Molotov Heavy, heavy which is like 18, 17% alcohol. That's fucked up. Molotov Light is a mere 8.5%. Child's play. It is an Imperial India Pale Ale. By Evil Twin. Ooh. I picked it because fire. Well, that makes sense. And there were Russians in this book, very briefly. You know, where the Molotov cocktail has its genesis. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sure. The pact that uh, prevented war between Germany and uh, the Soviet Union to the start of World War II is the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact. Mm-hmm. That Hitler then took a big steaming dump on. It's like nine. A big steaming brown <laughs> note on. Oh, yeah. Brown note. The Ava brown note. <laughs> 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 it's like, oh, <"Lashaisa." laughs> <laughs> So this is fucking super better. Holy shit, Barry. It's funny, oh. like, the color and stuff, between the blues and the, the light, it kind of looks like a like Bud Light can in a way, hmm. but it is as far from that as it could be. This is uh, it's a lot. It's, like, it's a lot to I, deal with. It's like ironically named light, of course. Mm-hmm. I guess because you can't have a, like a baby Molotov cocktail. <laughs> <Really. laughs> It's a fire. It's a fire. You use nips. It's a vial. <laughs> this is pretty good, though. This is a bit much for me. Evil Twin knows how to make some sick IPAs. It's uh, it's quite quite intense. There's like a bunch of story here about rebellion and stuff like that, but nothing about how really does, what's in. How it. does this compare to the heavy? Is it just an alcohol percentage thing? Or I'm sure everything is ramped up. The heavy is like a fucking sledgehammer in your mouth. You like even more bitter than this. It's it's actually not that much more bitter because it's so but it's so it's like thicker. We had it. You were here for that. We did that for on tyranny. I don't remember. I mean, I don't remember that day anymore. Yeah. Every recording day just ends in a blur. We could do I mean, this, we could do the at. same thirty beers every time, and I would never remember it most of them. Don't, what do you mean thirty beers? We only do eleven, ten for this episode. Yeah, the same <laughs> ten. <laughs> in fact, we've repeated some beers now, and we like, repeated surprisingly few. But like, <laughs> like, I think we did this one already, and I think you bought it last time. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> it all blends mm-hmm. together. Yeah. So this is a really, really good IPA, I think. Nate, you're an IPA fan. What do you think? Yeah, definitely good. I mean, it's very bitter and very hoppy. It is that. I would drink this. I dig it. I mean, wh- which one won today? I'm, you know what? I might have to go in terms of just like, that was cool. The weird fucking... Smoky bacon one. Yeah, that, that's an experience. It's not something I could drink a lot of, but in terms of like standing out in my memory, that's that's up there, and not in a bad way like the pastrami one. No, this is this is a. I mean, I would not want to drink more than one of these in a no a year, but it's a cool thing to have every once in a while. It's, it's interesting. It's unique in terms of name. I mean, the brown note is a really good name, but it brown doesn't note wins. quite fit with the book. I mean, it I'm does. Sir, sure someone shit their pants. It does kind of fit with the book. It must have happened. It was the war. And it's it World was. War Two, not number one. <laughs> oh, it's the poop war. <laughs> it's the world poop war. Yeah. And they're like, ow, shits, you know? <laughs> okay, great. How about the, uh, the Battle of Guadalcanal? <laughs> Guadalcanal, no? All right. Poopenwald. 
storm poopers. <laughs> Shits Krieg. <laughs> I mean, well, here's the big question then. People are all up on this book's deck. Should they be? I don't know. Mm. I mean, I, I, really, I really don't know. thuggishly. <laughs> uh, and by that, I mean, I'm, I'm, by that, I mean, I'm not really sure. I do see how... During the Vietnam War, if you were against Vietnam, then it would be a very clear anti-war book, anti-war book and you'd go, oh, okay, that's some interesting stuff that he says about it. I'm like, I can totally get that. But we don't live in that time right now. So if we're reading it, you know, in terms of right now, it, it just doesn't apply as much. Like, war war of that level hasn't existed yeah. since Vietnam. We go to war still. Well, I mean, a bunch of wars from, are happening from right our, now. From our perspective, I'm we're sure for, not being like... scripted anymore. Yeah. yeah. So right. the anti-war thing is a lot... I'm sure, Lower like, heat. for, like, Syrians or for people in Iraq, theirs is very... It's very, very more serious. appropriate. Mm-hmm. Real Syri- Syrians. <laughs> I racked my brain trying to think of it. I ran away from the war. It was so bad. So far away. <laughs> I could wait for it to be over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so many Yemen died. <laughs> <laughs> I can't Afghanistan it. I don't know. I think the book is overpraised. I understand its importance at that time, but you know, there's a lot of books that were important at their time, like but they still are read now, and it takes on a new meaning and it has a new significance. The product that's time. Sure, totally, I get that, but I don't, I don't think this like some people I know, like Kurt Vonnegut is a genius. Was he a fucking genius? I don't know. I've only read this one, so I can't. I can't this is I his can't big hit by a wide margin. It's like a lot of people have read this book, and then there's people that like Kurt Vonnegut and they read all this stuff. There's like I only really know this one and Cat's Cradle. I, I couldn't tell you another, besides the ones you've told that I've already forgotten. God bless you, Mr. Rosewater Swan, who Rosewater's in this book. He's the guy who introduces Billy Pilgrim to Kilgore Trout. Dead-Eye Dick is a good one. Another one. Um, player Piano. Siren's a Titan. I mean, maybe I'll read more of his stuff. Harrison Bergeron is a famous short story he wrote. I mean, he's got a bunch. He has stuff. No, he's definitely he got wrote a, a lot I just, of crap. I just haven't read it, so I couldn't judge him as an author entirely based on this one. Even no. if it is his biggest one. I, I, I don't know. I just don't think it's that great. Of, I don't think it's amazing. I think it's good. I really yeah, enjoyed it. It was fine. I, I, I was prepared to be like, oh, this is one that everyone fucking talks about all the time. And I was like, yeah, yeah it's fine. So it goes. Indeed. <laughs> Who knows? Well, but if you liked com. what you heard, if you liked what you heard, follow us on Twitter at DrunkGuysBC. Or tell us what you thought. Send us an email to DrunkGuysBookClub at gmail.com. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at DrunkGuysBookClub. And uh, like our stuff. Please follow us. It's great for our self-esteem. Thank you.